tuning in to the 154th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, I want to thank you for tuning in, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Music. Thank you for tuning in. It's been away for a couple of weeks. Sorry I was not able to get a podcast on. But I had some schoolwork, I had some other stuff that I had to handle, and I could not get to you all. I would apologize for that. But it's the summer, school's over, so we're going to go full steam ahead, and we're going to try to get as much content out, as many podcasts out as I can to you as humanly possible, especially with no sports, have something to keep everybody entertained, right? Since everybody's hopefully staying inside. Uh, Really quickly, though, I do want to give a special Mother's Day shout-out to my mom, Elena. It was Mother's Day on Sunday. I also want to give a shout-out to my grandma, Gertrude Lane, who was letting me use this laptop uh, that you can't see me, but uh, this laptop that I'm using right now to record the podcast. She so humbly and gracefully let me use use it when my own laptop was destroyed through my own stupidity. (laughs) Let's just say that. So I want to give a shout-out to Gertrude Lane as well, my grandma, for Mother's Day. Now we're going to have... Mr. Zach on, a.k.a. Zach Witherford. We're going to have him on the podcast. going to talk about the Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, episode 7 and 8. We delve in a lot of stuff from the passing of Michael Jordan's father via murder, from Michael leaving the league, what were his thoughts on the Jordan and gambling, could Jordan have won eight straight? We go into all that. Also, apparently... He meets Isaiah Thomas, which I did not know. We talk a little bit about that. And he goes through his favorite players of each era, the best players of each era, because he, Mr. Zach does not like saying, this guy's the greatest. MJ's the greatest ever. Magic's the greatest ever. LeBron's the greatest ever. Let's just separate them by eras and the time frame in which they played, which I actually think is very smart and is would be more eloquent and more intelligent sports conversation. So without ado, cut him next. That's the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to have Zach Whitford on the show. Cut them next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have my man, Zach Witherford with us, a.k.a. Mr. Zach. How you doing? All right, Daryl. What about yourself? I'm doing good. Uh, like I told you, I- I'm ready for Corona to end. I- I'm ready for normalcy to come back where you can walk outside and not see people with masks. <laughs> That's what I'm looking forward to. Well, I think it's going to be a little while. I think we'll have to wait a little while. Before all that, before that happens, especially in New York State, but you know, we have to see how that we have to see how that goes. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about I'm not sure about the sports season. I, I'm more I'm I'm worried if it's, if it's going to be uh, 
Well, if it is a season, I doubt they'll be taking fans anytime soon. Oh, I completely agree with you. I don't think we'll see fans. You, you, you can't. You just can't. You just can't. But what I do want to talk to you about while we have you on the show, the Michael Jordan documentary, episode seven and eight. Yes, I think this uh, doc was very interesting. And, and where I do really want to start is a lot was made of Michael Jordan abruptly leaving uh, in 93. A lot was talked about whether it was the gambling, a combination of his father, you know, tragically being murdered. Just the overall grind of it all, and he left. What were you thinking at the time when he left? Were you shocked? Were you surprised? You're like, I understand. What did you think at that time? Uh, when he died, when when the word the word when his father his father came out missing came out missing now. It was that uh, 1993 was that uh, his father used to take off and off on his own sometimes. So it wasn't it wasn't odd for him to be gone for a couple of days and no one to hear from him. And uh, oh man, it was just ter- it, it was just terrible. I didn't. Um, I'm, fr- I'm familiar with North Carolina. I'm familiar with that area of North Carolina. And I just and I always wondered Lumberton, North Carolina, is right at the border. And I, I just I always wondered. It's so dark over there. Why would he go to sleep? He must have been exhausted. Why would he go to sleep in such a dark place? But, I mean, he's he's from that area. He might be familiar with it, you know, but me just riding through there, I I, I wouldn't pull over anywhere around there. It's no, it was dark. It was very dark. But that's my personal experience. I, I was in that area. And and um, sometimes I'm surprised that a guy of his stature was by himself so much. Um, but yeah, I mean, his son was the most famous athlete in the world at the time. Right, right, right. They they almost like twin brothers, man. And uh, it's terrible. What, it was terrible what happened. I don't. I don't know. I still don't know all the details. I don't. I don't. I believe it's more to it than what they say. Um, did someone lure him over there, or he just chose to pull over on a dark road? A man with million dollars worth of credit cards in his pocket. Why would he pull over on a dark road? But I don't know. He might have been exhausted. Could have been. I don't know. I don't know, man. God, God bless him. God bless him. That's all I can say. It, I thought. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I know Michael Jordan. His. Uh, his wealth and all the money he's accumulated. I didn't know the intensity of his gambling, but I never would think a man with his type of money would get in such a hole that they would. someone would harm his family. Nah, that 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 that, that was like a one day thought. And it, and that and that just went by. He just he having a bump in the two idiots, and um, the rest is history. So so you think because uh, what it was mentioned in the documentary was that some people in the media were saying that there was a connection between his father's murder and his gambling. You you think that's nonsense? You don't think that's true? Is that what you're saying? Nah, no. I think um I, I don't know if, I don't I don't know if I think Michael Jordan um from you know being a, a gambling guy. Uh, is is a is a different animal. I don't know. I don't know exactly what he bet on, but I'm quite sure he was being followed, and they were watching his moves. And if if he was he wasn't betting on NBA, but a guy after I watch how uh, how ferocious he is with his gambling, I wouldn't be surprised if he would bet on him. But <laughs> that's just 
my opinion. That's just my opinion. But whatever bet he makes, he got the money to cover it. I don't see no one, no one hiring him. Who else, who else better to bet on than yourself if you're that great? But if he had any any doings with uh, illegal gambling, he's like going to casinos in Las Vegas, Atlantic City, or, or overseas in Monte Carlo. I I didn't hear about it under. The, and he bets on the golf course also. Had a couple shady characters he was involved with, but. I don't. I don't think. I don't think his father's death had anything to do with his habit of gambling. Do you think though the reason why he left though, like, what do you think was? Do you think it was his father's death, the gambling accusations, all the stuff people were saying in the media, which they can't prove, right? I, I could only imagine if your father's tragically murdered and people are saying that you're connected with it for something that you think you do for fun. I, I could imagine how that would upset any man. So, what, what do you think was the reason why he left? Some people say it was David Stern. David Stern said, Mike, take a break. No, no, what, what, what do you um, personally um, think? If, if, you, if, if, you, if, you rewind, if you rewind the tape, if you rewind the tape of his conversations and the, the, the everyday stress the money, the money's fine, and, and, and the, the money is, is is more than we could. I mean, me, I don't know about you. I don't know how rich you are, but that's more money than I could ever imagine in ten lifetimes. But he was used to the money. He was used to the fame. He wanted more time to himself. But they never talked about his family life on none of these specials. So we don't know what was going on in his household. Also, to make him the, the extra pressure. That's one part they didn't even dwell on is what goes on at his house. He was catching he was catching hell everywhere he went. And when he get probably when he wanted to go home and relax, the little time he had, they never talked about it. So um he was he, he, the, the young man, he was a young man and he was and he was exhausted. His ego was big. He said he accomplished everything that he wanted to accomplish. And he didn't have no one he, he didn't have anyone to push him. Everything like everything was a battle. With the big, with the with the bosses and and the, and the attitudes and his act was wearing thin with his teammates. He, he the generation he played in, he, he might have got away with. Nowadays, players would accept that type of talk. They go to the manager and they go on TV and they'd be crying. They'd be on Twitter. They'd be on Instagram. They'd be crying about Michael Jordan smacked him or punched him. But uh, the stress of the stress of the stress of basketball, the stress of his father's death. The stress of everybody wanting a piece of him. Hey, he got. They might have got the best of him. He was. He was broke. He was. He was exhausted. And I've been thinking about this too. And I think the one thing you could make a talk about LeBron when people always compare LeBron and Jordan. Not to get into that, but the one thing, and I think Michael was probably better than LeBron. But the one thing I think LeBron does have over Michael is, you know, I think he kind of knows what it's like to be Michael in terms of being in that bubble. Everybody's talking about you. Uh, people talking about your kids, people talking about his mother, like a, a lot of things going on. And he can, he, you know, he, he never got a love basketball. He always kind of dealt with it. And he never dealt with something as big as his father pa passing. But just to be able to navigate that way of being a fame and fortune and having it all wear on you. And, and he kind of, you know, lived up to it and, and didn't let it get to him. Like, Mike, did you, do you kind of sense that? Oh uh, well, it's a different it's, it's a different era. Every, every everything is everything in your whole life is an open book now. It's it's, it's everything is transparent. You you look you looking inside of a person's life now. Um, 
I mean, once the game is over, no one followed Michael Jordan around, and he didn't give details on every move that he made every time he went to the bathroom when he brushed his teeth, when he combed his hair, when he went into the barber shop, when he when he what? Oh man! Nowadays, every everybody's life is a day by day rundown detail of everything. I'm in Cincinnati today. I'm in California tonight, tomorrow. Uh, I'm at the club. I'm at this club. I'm at. I'm, I'm on a yacht. I'm here. Michael, we didn't. We didn't have it. his life is in an open book. Now we now within in this era, that's why some of these things are shocking. Now in this era, I mean everything's everything's an open book. You got you got paparazzi following you. You got and you and you also self advertise with all these videos and stuff you make for yourself. Uh, Michael Jordan's uh, off the court activities was more organized and set up. Uh, otherwise, he had a, a lot of private things he did we don't know about. And you also mentioned Michael's leadership and his style. Now, you know, today, in today's NBA, that wouldn't go, right? When he's getting in fights with people, you know, cursing them out, doing all this, you know, and he's a competitive guy. Do you? He's from from my era. Yeah, yeah, and and you even mentioned that. And and I agree with you. That would not play in today's culture. I I, I could only imagine. I remember people kind of got mad at Kobe for doing similar things to Michael. And people blasted Kobe. I mean, people. <laughs> I mean, the Kobe Smush Parker stuff. Like, people had a lot to say about Kobe. So I can only imagine. Yeah, uh, uh, but uh, uh, Kobe was Kobe was Kobe was world was a worldly person. He's he's international. Speaks three or four languages and all these other things. And Michael just came from from a basic country family in North Carolina on a dirt road, and 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 uh. They, 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 had, they had different exposure to things. Um, Michael had Michael had a calming effect in his life. His mother, his mother, his father. Him when the his father was with the his father was into the bright lights and then but the 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 the, the driving force of the family, the calming the calming effect, the the humble person was mom. When he went to when he went to that Nike place, and he didn't want to do, he didn't want to have nothing to do with going to Portland to that Nike camp, um, to that Nike uh, um, exhibit um, in Oregon, and um, he was going to Adidas. His mother says, "Son, you're going. Sit down and listen." Uh huh. That's what she was not. She was not a yes man or a yes mom. Uh huh. Sit down, and and you, you see what that turned into. <laughs> you see what you see what that turned into, and you can you see, and you can see, you know how that affects Michael and, and what what he became. But just as a leader, you know, there's a couple different leadership styles. You can be like the MJ kind of Kobe mode, like, you know, I'm gonna toughen you up. I'm gonna tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Then there's kind of the LeBron Magic style. I'm gonna do everything I got. I'm gonna. Not ride you as much. Whatever you need, I'm gonna be more of a a friend, a big brother, a confidant than just professional. This is what we need to do. Which type of leadership style do you think works? Well, yeah, he had, he had, he he had a variety. Think about it. Think about it. He had a variety coming out of Lane, coming out of Laney High School. He 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 had a he had a he had a man with no vision who's who couldn't even see his talent, who cut him from the team, you know? 
Okay, but then and then again, they went back to the part where his father said he got suspended from school three times as a freshman, as a freshman in high school. So maybe his attention span wasn't there listening to the coach. Maybe he was looking off in the sky whistling when the coach was trying to explain something. So he could have turned the coach off with his nonchalant attitude. So maybe that was a lesson. Okay, then we move to college. You got Dean Smith, a father figure, a teacher, a common effect. He beats up on the rest, but he, he 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 prepares his players for basketball and for 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 being a man. Once the once the ball, all the airs out the ball, he prepares you from being a kid to a young man to developing you as a man. And he he opens doors for you all the way down the road to the day. Uh, uh, you play for Dave Smith, you never had nothing else to worry about. Okay, move down the road a little bit more. Bobby Knight was a Olympic coach, and Bobby Knight chews nails for breakfast and spits them out. And that's how that's how he talked to people. So he cursed, he kicked Charles Barkley off the Olympic team because Charles Barkley wasn't physically fit like Bob Knight thought he was. He said, "No, he said about Bobby Knight, Charles. He said, but Charles dunks too much. <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> that's all people want to see now is dunks. But Bobby Knight said that about Charles Barkley. So my so you got the Bobby Knight effect. Toughest player, no nonsense, straight by the book. Don't play around. Don't come to practice laughing and joking. Steve Kerr, Judd Buster. Vince Robin, you, you misplaced, I'm coming to drag your ass out of bed. That's just Bobby Knight effect. You hear me? Yes, I do. Okay, now you move on to his next level. You move on to the next level. Staying on that, just let him do what he want to do. So he became his own coach. You know, Doug Collins gave him the ball and gave him the keys to the tower. And as long as the plays ran for Michael, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. But you're never going to get a championship. You go to Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson opened his eyes to a vision of the court, trusting your teammates and trusting everyone around you. So he got a dose of all that, and then you stir it all up. You got the high you got the high school coach who didn't have a vision, but, but took it personal when Michael wasn't apparently wasn't paying attention in practice. But why else would you cut a guy a six foot four sophomore that can handle the ball and jump out? Yeah, I never heard of his school winning those state titles or anything, so they couldn't have been that good <laughs> until he got there. Okay, then you move to Dean Smith, the teacher, the father figure, the grandfather, the door opener. He the one told Michael to leave here and go pro. Ain't nothing left here for you in college. Then you get Bobby Knight, he turns you into a drill sergeant. And at the end, that's how he treated his teammates. Bobby Knight dragged his players off the court. He spit on people. He, he swung at a referee. He choked the player to get his point across. He didn't choke the guy because he, he, he didn't choke the guy because he, he wanted to hurt him. He choked the guy to try to bring some life out of him that the guy ran and told his mama. You know what I'm saying? He punched Steve Kerr in the eye. Now, if he punched me in the eye, I'd still be fighting right now. I'm 59. <laughs> I would not take a punch in the eye to nobody. But Steve Kerr, like you said, I wasn't big enough. And then Michael went, went in the shower and thought about it and said, oh, that's that Bobby Knight shit. <laughs> I mean, you can't do that to people. <laughs> you know, it, the, the common effect came back. And then, then his humbleness of his mother came back. And his humbleness of Dean Smith came back. And he was mad enough to get on that phone and apologize. I respected that. 
He could have followed him and walked away and never said nothing and got Steve Kerr transferred to another team if he really wanted to. That's how much power he had. Phil Jackson was Phil Jackson was the mediator, you know. I'm gonna let you boys fight and beat each other up, and when they get a hand, I'm gonna step in. Just like a bunch of brothers in one, and just like a Gronkowski brothers in one house. They probably tore their house up when the dad was on. When mom came on, everything got quiet. You know, the, the, everybody gets different different levels of respect. Respect dad, but he let you get away with more. Mom went by the book. So it's a little bit of all that. Put in all those ingredients, and then you come up with a hell of a Michael Jordan combo for all those different coaches. And, and, and personalities that made an impression on him as a young man. His father let him make his own decisions until he got out of hand and his father put him to the side and talked to him. So you would say then he took all of his leadership styles, he took it from his high school coach, coach took it from Dean Smith, took it from Bobby Knight, took it from Duck Collins, took it from a Phil Jackson, he kind of melded that into his own leadership style. And obviously it worked, you know, you can make an argument okay. that he's had the greatest okay. success. If you if you, if you, if, you re, if you rewind the tape again, I don't know about this high school coach, what his status is, but Dean Smith Hall of Fame, Bobby Knight Hall of Fame, Doug Collins, oh, uh, um, his basketball knowledge was unheard of. It, but he was the first pick in the night in the nineteen seventy draft, seventy three draft, I think, out of Illinois State. He played it on the Olympic team that got cheated by Russia in 1972. You heard about that game? Yes, I have. Bill Collins was the leader of that team, uh, a 72 Olympics, and, 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 they, and they got cheated. And, and he was an offensive-minded player, but also he was an offensive-minded coach, with, with, which went to Jordan's uh, appreciation of Bill Collins, where, where Dean Smith was more into team ball. No one's bigger than the team, you know? So he got a little effect from everybody and his own internal engine that, that, that made him tick. His, his engine that roared inside of him. Uh, sometimes was, uh, well, sometime he drove out of control. Yeah, and then he had people reel him back to reality. Which coach do you think is the most responsible for his success? Uh, out of all the people you named. Young man, he could have easily granted got triple and everything, but his parents were a big part, big part of his life. And as you see, as he became a dope, wherever he went, seemed like they were there, right? That's a dead. That's a dead in the the documentary. That's family, man. That's that's family. That's family, man. Hey, maybe his brothers and sisters didn't didn't hang out, or they, or, or maybe they was doing something because mainly it was his mom and dad, and maybe that brother Larry. I don't know about the other ones, but man. His foundation, his foundation was started at home, man. Now, I do want to shift to uh, a couple of the earlier documentaries really quickly. I do want to ask you this. What were your thoughts of the Pistons-Bulls rivalry, right? You know, Isaiah, MJ, they don't necessarily like each other. It led to dream team issues and with Isaiah not being on, the walking off the court. What did you make of all of that? Well, well, um, like I said, it's a, it's a, it was a, it's a different era. If you watch the game, how many 
fights did you see? Watch those highlights. How many fights did you see? In the NBA, the fight this once a week. Now you might get a fight every once in every maybe a fight a year. Mostly it's two guys in each other's face yelling, but these guys were actually beating each other to death on the court, man. Um, it was a different era of basketball. Uh, things that were acceptable then are not acceptable now. Um, the game was more macho, you know. Um, they, I'm surprised they even had a lady referee in one of those games. But um, games was uh, it was more macho, and things were things things were um, physical play was was the norm. Um, now 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 a hard five is considered flagrant, or 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 or. They, they find it necessary to go to the table, review the call, look at it on TV, rewind it, put on a headset, and, 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 and call and pray about I mean, it's a whole thing they go through now. And Mike, Mike was getting slammed on his ass. Iverson was getting slammed. Uh, 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 Isaiah was getting slammed. And, hey, man, they were big. And Larry Bird was just getting punished. He, they, they really didn't want a white dude chilling like that, but they couldn't stop him. You know, <laughs> they couldn't stop. They couldn't stop him. <laughs> oh man, he was money. He was money. That's what I say. But but um, the era of basketball was different. The rivalry became personal. But you notice, notice as the time went on over the years. You know, you were a young man at that time. You were a kid, so you didn't notice. But you know. When you look at the end of those benches in some of those years, you know the center, the center for um, the center for uh, Detroit Pistons, James Edwards, he ended up playing. He brought his style to the Bulls. Dennis Rodman brought the Pistons style to the Bulls. Robert Taylor set the bench when he brought his style to the Bulls. He sat on the Bulls the boys last season on the bench. He never got in. But he practiced. He brought that mentality. So even though he had Detroit and they hated Boston, you notice they brought a few of their players over as the time went on to bring that toughness to the team. Now, now, Zach, do you think it got too personal, though, when Michael Jordan decides when the Dream Team comes up and a lot of people think, and I don't know your opinion on this and I want to hear it, when it, it's a, kind of alleged that Isaiah Thomas was not on the Dream Team because MJ was like, nah, I don't want him on there. You think that gets you know, too? They, they, they didn't. They didn't have a. They they played a few All Star games together, and they played a few benefit games together. Um, Magic Johnson had a benefit game that had they had a Midsummer Dream every summer, and uh, 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 in the um, um, United Negro College Fund had had a big time game in Chicago that Dominique and Jordan and Magic and them used to come in. But David Robinson put his two cents in. David Robinson said. Uh, we needed it. We, it was a chemistry thing. Kyle Malone said it was a chemistry thing. Michael Jordan never actually said it on the microphone, but you and they, they had their personal issues. And when and when Isaiah and when Chuck Daly, who was his personal coach, and Magic Johnson, who was his best friend, did not come and take up for him, that that told me something right there. Maybe it was a chemistry issue. Sometimes you can get along with a person, and I can get along. With, I can get along with a person, and I can get along with you. But your buddy don't like me, and I don't like your buddy. That puts you in the middle, right? Yes, it does. 
And that's, not, and that's how and that's how mad he probably was. Yo, I'm gonna play on this team regardless. But damn, man, Mike, man, you don't like him. And damn, I, damn, see, you don't like him. Now you got me in the middle. Chuck Daly, you make the decision because I'm not gonna make the decision. Because they easily could have brought, they easily could have brought, they easily could have brought Shaquille O'Neal on that team uh, instead of Christian Leitner, and they could have brought in the next in the next replacement. If anybody got hurt, you know who the next replacement was gonna be? Who? Joe Dumars. He was designated as the next replacement if any guy got hurt. So Isaiah wasn't even the next player. Clyde Drexler was the last player chosen, and Christian Leitner was the last player. So they 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 the original dream team was ten people. The last two players were Clyde Drexler and Christian Leitner. See, when it came down to ten players, the last two was that was decided a couple weeks down the line. Now you got in the running, you got Isaiah Thomas in the running, right? You got Joe Dumas in the running, right? Hey, probably you, probably Dominique Wilkins, Shaquille O'Neal, Alonzo Mourning. That's like five players right there. They chose they they chose Clyde Drexler and they chose and they chose Shaq. I mean, um, Blazer. So, um, Chuck Daly didn't step up for Isaiah, and he loved Isaiah. He loved Isaiah. Chuck and Maddie didn't step up for Isaiah, but that was a conflict of interest among the team because Isaiah didn't get along with certain people, and I, I don't know how that, I don't know. To me, he should have been on the team. But when, no, when no, nobody spoke up for him. Now, I do, I, I want to go back uh, to uh, to want to talk about another guy that was on the Bad Boy Pistons and played for the Bulls. I got a picture, I got, I got a picture of me and Isaiah. Oh, really? Um, 1980 Olympic team. I got a chance to work out with those guys when I was in the military. Um, I, I was pretty good at ball myself. Now, I, I can tell you a few stories, but, uh, you know, I, there's no video on it, so, so, so what? I'm not going to leave it alone. But 1980 Olympic team, I was, um, I was, um, an Air Force, um, Air Force, um, in my first term in the Air Force, and I was in Colorado Springs, and, and Colorado Springs, Colorado is, um... Where the Olympic Training the, Center is. The, the Olympic Training Center. And the 80, in 1980, the Olympic team came to my job where I worked at in the Air Force, and, um, I was on a tour, and my, and, and my, my, my general got, got, got me an opportunity to go to their practice and run a couple drills and stuff, you know? And, um... I went, man. Isaiah Thomas, Michael Guire, uh, his teammate Michael Guire. You got Sam Boyd was there. Uh, Portland Trailblazers, Buck Leonard, uh, All-Star Lionel Blackman from the um, Dallas Mavericks, um, and a couple and, and a host of other uh, great college players. But they didn't go to the Olympics because they boycotted because of Russia. The, the Olympics was in Moscow. But anyway, I got to meet Isaiah. He was very nice. He was very. Now, he was a very nice young man. You know, actually, we like to say, mate, I'm like a year older than him. And, uh, yeah, but I got, I got a picture we took together. The coach, the coach was Larry Brown that took the coach to set pictures. The coach of that team was Larry Brown and, and Dave Gavin, who, who ended up being um, the head of USA Basketball until Jerry Colangelo took over. What was Larry Brown uh, like? I, 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 got a few, I got a few stories. What, what, what was Larry Brown? Like, share some stories. What was Larry Brown like? Uh, Larry Brown was Larry Brown was was very was very quiet. Uh, um, Dave Gavin was more of a spokesman. Larry Brown was very quiet. Um, um, Isaiah was an outgoing, young, was an outgoing, friendly young man. Michael Guire, from my personal, he was kind of a standoffish, 
type of it's just like he acted on the court, like just kind of just kind of like game face all the time, you know. Um, and we got to go to the practice and and, and the, the drills. All of those guys were were all all of those guys were in fantastic shape. I mean, the, the running drills, I mean, running, running, running. They're those guys. They're talking about Isaiah Town, age 20. He was a monster. That's all I can say. And it's funny, too, when you mentioned that, and I was talking to my dad about this. A lot of people actually don't know how good Isaiah Thomas is. Like, there are people that will make the argument that Chris Paul was better than Isaiah Thomas. Uh, a lot of people say that Steph similar, Curry. Similar, similar, similar ball players, similar attitude, similar work ethic. really quickly is so a guy that played with Isaiah and he played with Michael Dennis Rodman and a lot of two was made of the doc of Dennis Rodman and they talked about his trip to Vegas and I guess the during the season he just like Phil I need to go to Vegas just something I gotta do I I, I need to Phil I need to and Phil's like you know what oh okay Dennis you, you can go to Vegas could you and a lot was talking about that could you imagine that happening now a player just being like listen coach I gotta go to Las Vegas. <laughs> I need to. You know, you know, you know, you know, you know what coach I, you know what coach I would, I, I, I would see, I can see doing that, even though it's in a different sport. Who? Pete Carroll. <laughs> yo, he bring, he tell Beast Mo, yo man, go calm down, that, go calm down for a weekend, man. Go, go blow some steam off. You know that type of guy. Um. Not many coaches would go could go would go for that, but is that you got hey, you got yeah, remember Phil Phil was a hippie, man. You know. He liked to experiment a few experiment with a few things, you know. <laughs> I, I heard he had a medical prescription card years ago. <laughs> <laughs> heard he Phil was on the medical when it first hit the when it first hit the street. <laughs> Do you think though part of the magic with Phil is how he's able to talk to people like like when you hear guys like Shaq, Kobe, when he was uh, still alive, Michael, Scotty, you know, they all have good things to say about Phil. And they all seem to respect him. And it's hard to get that type of respect from great players like that, but he did that. Look, look you got to remember, look where Phil came from. New York, a New York Knicks organization. He was on a team of five Hall of Famers. You know, he learned how to be a good teammate. You know, he... He took a minimal talent and carried it all the way to the top. He he played for South Dakota, North Dakota. You know, the talent he came from was terrible. And he got an NBA look and he hustled his way into the league. And, and, and then he coached minor league basketball up right over in Albany, New York. He won championships there. He know how to he, he know how to struggle. Um, and he also 
does one important thing that you as a man and me as a man have a hard time doing. Using the most important organ on your body. The most important organ on your body. When you try to learn something, it's not your mouth, it's your ears. Still listen. He listened to Tex Winter and that strategy about the triangle. Move the ball and get the ball out of Michael's hands so much. Get other people involved. When other people involved, they play harder. When other people involved, they rebound harder. When other people involved, they play harder defense. When other people involved, they, their focus is different. But when you just stand around and watch somebody else shoot 50 times a game, and, you, and all you do is hustle for rebounds, that don't get it. You've never seen a championship team with structure like that, with a one-man game. You're now, a young man. You've only been around 27 years. I've been watching basketball 50 years. And and uh, rarely do you see a one-man team. That's true. I mean, the only ones I can think of off the top of my head are LeBron in 07 and AI in 2001. Hey, hey, but you got to look at it. You got to look at it. The 76ers was holding, the, the 76ers were holding people to 88 to 92 points a game that year. Defense was locked down. They had... You gotta remember, they had the sixth man of the year, Aaron McKee. You know they said they had the defensive player of the year, Matumbo. They had the MVP in Ivers. That's, I mean, that's a hell of a chemistry in one year. That's a hell of a season. You got the sixth man of the year. You got the defensive player of the year. You got the MVP. That's a hell of a season, right? Yeah, no, it is. It is. And you got Larry you Brown know, coaching. He, he, People, I mean, individually they wasn't that great, and they were, and they, and they might have been one. There was one player away from being from being successful, and he got hurt. Theo Radliff, Theo Radliff got hurt, and they traded him to um, Atlanta for for Matumbo. Um, uh, was one player. Philly was one player away, but uh, I, I, for a whole they had guys like Tyrone Hill and Eric Snow. They, they were, they were, they were, they they weren't that strong. So I, I kind of kind of agree with that, but LeBron really carried it. Really, he really carried it because I watched that Spurs. Um, I watched the Spurs um, game last not too long ago. On some of these repeats that they keep showing over and over, and I watched the Spurs game. And um, you're right, LeBron. LeBron had um, some guys. Um, Drew Gooden. Um, Eric, uh, Drew Gooden, Eric Snow, um, Daniel Marshall. He didn't have he didn't have the strongest team. You're right. He took that team a long way. Now, what I do want what I have to ask you is, and when we talked about this earlier in the podcast, when MJ retires, right after he retires in '93, how shocked were you that not only he retires, he decides that he's gonna, you know what, I'm gonna play baseball? How shocked were you? Um, I don't know. I I, I didn't. I, he always talked about baseball. I didn't know if that was publicity stunt or whatever, but apparently it wasn't. He 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 really gave it a try, and uh, he did. And he and um, he's an all around athlete. Uh, and, and he and he actually had a thirteen game hitting streak, but he also was played. Uh, he also and so they switched to breaking pitches. He didn't. He he. he the, the, the streak ended. He couldn't hit a breaking ball, but. 
mean, for they say they say um, I know mean, I know he can't play two sports. He had started early. He might have had a shot at it, but uh, I think he just needed to to feed his competitiveness by playing baseball. Uh, whoever know the true story of why he really stopped playing, why he stopped playing basketball. You know, because uh, he could have had eight rings in a row. Do you think he does win eight rings in a row if he stays? It was possible. It was possible. You know, Houston, Houston Rockets took those other two rings those years. They they had they had a great chemistry, a powerful powerful team, and that would have been a and actually that would have been a, that would have been the best team that that Jordan ever faced in the final. That Seattle team, man, they were they were all right. Phoenix team. They were all right, you know. Uh, the Lakers team magic was fading away, and and you know, either they didn't beat teams. They, they he didn't beat a team like LeBron beat Golden State. No, he didn't. He did not beat. He the, never played. He didn't. He didn't beat a team like that dude. I'm not taking nothing away from him. But I'm just saying he did not beat a team like LeBron beat. Now, what I do, also, what I also do want to ask you is, when Jordan leaves and he's playing baseball, the Bulls they win fifty six games in the year before when Jordan was there. They won fifty seven games, right? They're playing the Knicks in the conference finals. Pippen has a little bit of a meltdown, but they were very good. And then the next year, till Michael got back that second year, they were thirty four and thirty one. So I want to ask you. Which Bulls team do you think was closer to being the real one? Because a lot is always talked about how good were Michael's teammates. Do you think it was the team that had the ultimate, that had really good success the first year he was out, or the second year, the team that was kind of average and struggling? Which one do you think is kind of the true Bulls roster, evident of the talent that was on the team? Oh, uh, the 50-win team. The 50-win team was playing off momentum, and... and 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 um, the ball movement was the ball movement was fantastic. You know, the talent was down. I mean, they didn't have a guy to go to. They didn't have a guy, they didn't have that instant offense that, that they were used to when things when things got when things slowed down. But the ball movement and everybody was involved. Um, they lost to a hell of a Knicks team that year. They lost to a hell of a Knicks team that year. You know, and the Knicks Knicks lost to. Uh, Oh, the Rockets. Yeah, the Knicks lost to the Rockets, I think, in five or six that year. Now, how how shocked were you when MJ announces he's coming back that second year? I wasn't surprised. I was I was I wasn't surprised. I you you know, when he was going in for the, when he was doing those when he was doing those workouts. And then you start seeing him showing up watch as, in the audience at games. And then he started, then, then, they, then they was already talking about he was working out on the side with B.J. Armstrong and those guys. He came to a couple practices. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Uh, he, 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 he walked away at such a young age, he just needed to recharge his battery. And, and just like I said, we don't know what was going on in, in his home life. So we don't know. A few things are missing in the story. So we don't, you know. The little bit that they give us, the peak, the peak that they give us, we can determine our own opinion off that. But like I say, we don't know. I mean, they not he don't we they don't divulge everything that's going that actually else was going on with. You know, 
Now, the, had a girl in every town. <laughs> the Bulls, so the Bulls lose to the Magic, right? And then the next year they come back. That's the 71 Bulls team. And then they sweep that same Magic team in the conference finals. Do you think that was... Basically what I'm asking is, if MJ stays, that we talk about he could have won eight straight. Do you think the reason he lost the Magic the first go-around was because he was still getting his legs under him, he was still getting him back in basketball shape? Or do you still think that loss of the Magic would have happened regardless? When have you ever seen Michael Jordan dribbling the, down the court looking behind? He's just been throwing smoke when he gets, once he gets in front of you, all you see, all you see is fucking, you see is dust and smoke, dude. He's not looking behind him to see who's coming behind him. He's leading you in the dust. And, and, he, and, he, and he was hesitating on his drill when Nick Anderson came behind him and took it from him. And we have we, we ever seen that happen. Gary Payton did it one time, and Nick Anderson did it one time. Like, you ain't taking the ball from Mike. Come on, man. His legs wore out. He was, he, was, he was playing off thinking instead of playing off natural instinct because he would have stopped on the dime, went through his legs behind the back, and left, uh, and left Anderson in the dust. You know? No, I, I agree with you. So you, what you are saying is that it was more that he was getting his legs under him and he was getting back in basketball shape, and that's why, you know, he right. wasn't MJ. And when he was MJ again, they, they destroyed the Magic. Now, what I do want to ask you is, how good was that 70-win Bulls team? Because a lot of people talk about the greatest teams of all time. People talk about the 86 Celtics, Showtime, Magic Johnson Lakers, Kobe Shaq Lakers, the 71 Warriors team. Uh, the Kevin Durant, Steph Curry Warriors team. Where do you think that season ranks all time for you in terms of how long you've been watching basketball? Uh, hey, man. It's, top, it's one of the top teams in, in top teams in history on both ends of the court. Keyword, both ends of the court. See, they were holding people under 100 points on a regular basis. I mean, the game was played at a different, different uh, pace. More half-court basketball in the playoffs. I mean, the three, the three, the three was like a luxury. Now, it's, back then, now it's a, it's a part of the offense. So the court is more spread out now. Um, but that 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 team that, that that team speaks for itself. The ball movement, the defense, the big bench. Uh, that was a, that was a hell of a team, you know. Hey, but hey, so was um, so was the eighty-seven, so was the eighty-seven Lakers and the eighty-five Lakers. You know, but, I mean, they were. They, I mean, you Bob McAdoo and all these Bob McAdoo, James Worthy, Kareem Jabbar, Magic Johnson, all on the same team. Michael Thompson, oh, good, oh, good. I mean, they were stacked. They were stacked. Uh, um, um, hey, one year Miami Heat, Miami, Miami Heat had a had a beautiful team. You know, but but if you go if you if you go back and you, and you think about it, um, that Bulls team was ranked top three, top three of all times on offense and defense. What do you think made that Bulls team so special? They both went to the court. I mean, they, they, I mean, when it's time to shut you down, they shut you down. And 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 and, and the rebounding. Oh man, what's it? What's it? Once, once you missed your shot, Dennis was eating up the rebound, and, the, and 
And also talk and then, about the pressure. Can, oh, you got to remember that perimeter defense. Now, you got Hopper with his wingspan. You got Pip with his wingspan. You got MJ with his wingspan. Where are you going? When you come around the perimeter, where are you going? And when you get past him, you run into Rodman. And you run into Dennis Rodman, whoever else they got out there. Too, is I think a lot of times when people talk about Michael Jordan, they think of the offense, you know, the 30-point games, you know, how dynamic he was. But he was a hell of a defensive player. He won a Defensive Player of the Year award. I don't think people talk about that. They talk about the six championships, the MVPs, the, the finals MVPs, right, the all-star appearances, but they don't talk about the fact that this guy won a Defensive Player of the Year, which is something not a lot of players can say, especially winning MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in the same season. How good was Michael on that end of the floor? Uh, his pass—he he played the passing lanes very well. You know, he had, he had the he had the luxury he had the luxury of having some other great defenders on his team. Um, man to man challenge—he was, he was a good defender, but he didn't always have to check the the, the hottest man on the other team. I mean, he he accepted certain challenges. But he he, his, he played the passing lane so well, and he helped so well. And his man-to-man defense was 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 on was on point. So he covered most areas on defense. He played the passing lane. He helped his teammates, and he covered his own man. I mean, that's a total defensive player right there. Would you say? Because I think a lot of times when people talk about the greatest perimeter defenders of all time, I think you mentioned Jordan. Who's the guy for you when I say perimeter defense? Who's the guy you think of? Is it a Scott? Is it Scotty? Because you can make an argument for Scotty, MJ. Some people might even say Kawhi Leonard. Well, you have to go to, well, depending on what area you. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm not going to put that on one man. You can. I, you can. You can go through eras of, of basketball. Dennis Johnson. Dennis Johnson in the '80s. Dennis Johnson was perimeter. Uh, uh, by now, perimeter best de- perimeter defense in the league. And time moved on. You went to you went to other players, but but as far as as far as lateral movement, length, toughness, 
Scotty Pippen's in the running. Michael Cooper is in the running. Dennis Rodman is in the running. Gary Payton is in the running. Overall, I only seen one person stop Magic Johnson, and that, and 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 really disrupts him, and that was Scotty Pippen from baseline to baseline. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to name one by, but but just by the face to face, Scott Scott Scotty Pippen is in the league by himself. Okay, now also in the documentary, Michael, Michael Cooper was before your time, but Michael Cooper could guard a point guard. He was a six man for the Lakers. He could guard a point guard. He could guard Dr. J, or he could move down in the post and guard Larry Bird. He was a, he was a, he, he he could he could cover most positions except center because he was too thin. But he could cover four positions. Now, what I do want to ask you is, in the documentary, it was also mentioned, you know, that year, that 96 year, the 72 Bull, uh, 72 uh, win season for the Chicago Bulls, that they played the Seattle Supersonics, right, with Gary Payton. They're down 3-0, and George Carl decides to put Gary Payton, the Defensive Player of the Year, at that point in time. And you mentioned, when I talk about perimeter defenders, you mentioned the name Gary Payton, the glove, right? They put him on MJ, and MJ kind of struggled a little bit, and Gary Payton was talking about how he wore him down, wore him down, and uh, they show uh, Michael that video, and Michael laughs, and Michael's like, okay, kind of just dismissing the whole thing. Was that matchup a thing at the time? Did Gary Payton, you know, quote-unquote, actually shut Michael down? Did that kind of change the series a little bit, or was Also, what I need to ask you is this. Favorite moment of the documentaries from Sunday night. What was your favorite scene, your favorite uh, statement, quote? Like, like, what was your one? You're like, damn, that, that was awesome. My, you, you, know, you, 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 you know what my favorite quote is? And I'm going to hit you with this one. And I, and I was thinking about it. And, 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 and sometimes, man, you just got to put, sometimes you just got to put a lame in his place, man. He said, he told a guy, he told a guy, you might have thought I was mean. You might have thought I wasn't being a nice guy. You would never understand me because you never want nothing. <laughs> Drop the mic. <laughs> Drop the mic. You will never understand me because you have never won nothing. 
simple, huh? simple yet powerful. Yeah, yeah. You didn't understand me because you never wanted nothing. And at the end, and, and at the end, he says, "Other words, he was saying, I'm tired of y'all talking now. I'm gonna put my shorts on and play right now because if you don't want to play with me, then don't play." If you don't want to play with me, then don't play. Other words, other words, go 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 play with the people who let you do what you want to do, and see how many rings you get. You know, it's a method to my madness. Just ride with me to the to the line, and I get you. And just ride with me to the line, and once we get there, I, I'll do the rest. Just let me get there, and once we get there, I'm taking over. Yeah, but that's my most powerful statement he made. Oh, that guy, man. Nice. You might not think I'm nice. You might not understand me. You might think I'm mean. Or, or, you know, you might not think I'm nice. You might not think I'm not a nice guy. But you wouldn't understand me, man, because you never won enough. And I think it's interesting, too, right? Uh, when I played football in high school, I played on a losing team. And I think a lot of the times on the bus ride back home, you could tell about the guys who cared, the guys who did it, because there's the guys that are joking and on the bus, like, hey, and there's the guys that are legitimately pissed and they're upset. Right. And I, and right. I think, you know, you, you can tell a lot about somebody after a loss. Right, right. And, and you know, um, uh, and it's not like Michael didn't know how to have fun. <laughs> he was always at the golf course in Atlantic City. It's not like he didn't know how to have fun. Yes, right, right, right. So I mean, he 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 was a sore loser, you know. Um, the powerful statement. I mean, that was the most powerful thing that I like. I like. I like what he did, you know. Uh, as far as far as that, and um, and uh, he also said that uh, he also told Steve Curran, uh, Judd Buster, man, uh, you know. You guys come over. You guys come over. Act like y'all was already on the boat, man. Riding on, riding on the, y'all jumping on the winning boat, man. But uh, we don't do things like that around here. Ain't not, no time for playing around and joking. Because when when the pressure comes, I'm, if time comes, I'm gonna need you guys. And I guess they they find guys, guys. But you know what? Both of them guys come from Arizona. I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe they were just. Maybe they were going from Arizona, buddy, buddy stuff. But they both. I'm pretty sure they both played college in Arizona. Kerr, Kerr and Bushner. You know. Zach, I want to I want to thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Hey man, I tell you, we had we we, we went over some we went over some good topics today, and uh, thank you for letting me express my opinion. You know, I, I'm I'm a my sports uh. My, my sports, my sports um, career goes over so many decades. That's why it's so hard for me to pinpoint who is the greatest of this or that. I just, I, I can do it by eras, and I'm and I'm more comfortable naming players in eras. Because I'm not gonna sit here and say a guy that's playing right now is the best of all time. Because when you go back and start watching Jordan's film, okay, hold on, let me think about that again. I don't know LeBron, but after I watch this tape, oh, hey, oh, yeah, maybe not. Okay, oh, well, okay, so let's do this. How about this? Give me your best players for every era. 
for every era? Yeah. Well, you know, it's a, it's a difference between the best and, 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 and my favorite, you know. And and, and, that, and, that, and that's a higher thing for, for me, but the six, the, it, the six, and, 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 and in the 60s, in, in the 60s, uh, the best player, the best player was Russell, as far as winning, but my favorite was Will Chamberlain, you know. For sure, well, definitely, definitely. I will, I will, I will definitely. Thank you again for coming on. I appreciate it. Oh man, just, just keep calling, man. I love doing this. All right, thank you. And once again, I want to thank Mr. Zach, Zach Weatherford, for coming on the show. The hundred and fifty-fourth episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. <laughs>